1: Revelation 19, verse 10. Take your Bibles and turn to the next verse. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. And then, which is the angel that is talking to John in the context. But he said to me, You must not do that, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren. And how does the text read in your Bible? Your brethren who do what? Who hold, how does it read? To the testimony of Jesus, worship God. And then it tells us what it is. For the testimony of Jesus is the... Now, we have a definition. It says it's the spirit of prophecy the angel is speaking. So if I were to quiz you next week and I were to ask you, what is the testament of Jesus, what answer would you give me from the Bible based on Revelation 19.10? It is the spirit of prophecy.
0: Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. And thank you so much for listening. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentanko is the first portion of a message he entitles, The Spirit of Prophecy. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Let's pray. Dear Father God, Our topic today is really a study of the Bible that affects our walk with you to the extent that if we don't have it, we could be lost. If we do, we most certainly will be saved. So help this church, help us all to realize it's not what the majority think. It's what you command. It's not what's popular, it's what's necessary. It is the Spirit of God that we must have, Lord. So give us the testimony of Jesus, the Spirit of prophecy today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our study today will have few illustrations but lots of Bible because we've got to cover ground. How many of you are with me today? We'll have a Bible study sermon. The topic of our sermon is the Spirit of Prophecy. It's a topic that is not very popular in many places in our world field today, and even here in North America. But it must change, because we are living on the eve of the advent of Jesus Christ. And there will be a people who reflect Jesus Christ, not by their own efforts, not by their own goodness, but by the virtue that they possess, the Gospel of God and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit fills them. And so we all today need the spirit of prophecy. True worship is on trial in the mark of the beast crises that will come upon this world suddenly at the time of the end. Revelation 13.4 says that men have already worshipped the dragon for centuries. This world is under the control of Satan. Revelation 13.8 and 12 says the whole world will one day worship that ten-horned beast from the sea that is the world kingdom order, and the whole world will be taken away by deception. That literally... Is so powerful, so global, that many will not realize it is happening. Revelation 13, 15 says the lamb-like beast will usurp the role of the Holy Spirit by giving spirit, in the Greek pneuma, breath, to the image of the beast so that it should even speak, and people will bow down to the end-time image of the beast. You cannot read the prophecies in the book of Revelation very long without coming to the important fact that the whole world will one day come under the control of Satan. The whole world will no longer be under the control of God. And I'm telling you, as I stand here in the pulpit today, I do not want to be a part of that crowd. I do not want to be a part of a group that goes with the masses, that follows the enemy. I want to stand with a righteous remnant that loves Jesus at the time of the end that will affect the millions of this world with a gospel of grace. The mark of the beast issue, friend, is fast approaching and the Christian world is largely unprepared for it. I listen well. In fact, I've been to ministerial gatherings at times where I hear colleagues who I love dearly who will say something like this, you know, the days of prophecy are over. We need to hear more about the kingdom of God in you, community, and this kind of thing. Now, I like community. I like the kingdom of God. But the last time I checked it out... The prophecies predict the coming of the Kingdom of God. The prophecies prepare a people to be ready for the Kingdom of God. If we are not a prophetic people, we are not God's people in the Bible because the prophecies embrace the truths for our time and we must be about them. At the time of the end, the book of Revelation teaches that there will be a remnant minority in the Christian church that will not bow down to the dragon, the beast, and his image, the false prophet, and so on. There will be a remnant that is faithful to God. Now I want to just talk about that remnant a little bit here. The Bible does not describe a remnant that's fanatical. The Bible does not describe a remnant that goes and leaves the teachings of the Bible. The Bible describes a Christ-centered, joyful remnant that is faithful to God, that has the gospel of God and affects the lives of men and women for good, there will be a righteous remnant at the end of time that keeps the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus. Take your Bibles, open them up, and let's turn to Revelation 12, verse 17. Amazing verse right here in the book of Revelation that speaks about the final war. It introduces the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. The dragon was wroth or angry with the woman, went off to make war on the remnant of her seed, on those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, 17 indicates that there are two characteristics of the remnant church at the time of the end. Here is God's people at the end, those that remain faithful to Jesus. And the devil focuses his final attack upon them because of two salient characteristics that are present within this in time group of Christians. First, the remnant church, it's very clear in the verse, will keep all ten of the commandments of God. It says they keep the commandments of God. I mean, that's not a very popular statement today in the Christian world when people are saying the law of God is done away with. The Bible says Christians at the end that are faithful to Jesus, that are the focus of satanic hatred, will keep God's holy ten-commandment law. They will cherish every one of those precepts, the fourth, the sixth, the fifth, and all of them secondly it says they will not only keep the ten commandment law of god but they will also keep the testimony of jesus i mean this is not a legalistic group this is not a perfectionistic group that somehow is boasting about how good it looks this is a group dear heart that is enamored with the beauty and the glory of the lord jesus i want to pause and ask you a very forthright question today how many of you really do love jesus raise your hand You love him with all your heart and soul and mind. Do you realize that loving the Lord Jesus goes with keeping his commandments? He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So what is the testimony of Jesus here? We know the commandment part, but what is this testimony of Jesus? The word testimony is a legal term. I've been to court a number of times. I've been under depositions to get this church built. And I know that when you become a witness, you're on the stand. You're speaking for someone or for the truth. So in a sense, the testimony of Jesus is given in the context of the battle for who God is, the legal struggle for the character of God throughout the ages and the time of the end. In a sense, we all as disciples bear testimony to Jesus. But in a deeper sense, Jesus bears testimony to us so that we can bear testimony for Him. The testimony of Jesus is really the testimony that comes from Jesus. Revelation 19, verse 10. Take your Bibles and turn to the next verse. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. And then, which is the angel that is talking to John in the context. But he said to me, you must not do that, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren. And how does the text read in your Bible? Your brethren who do what? Who hold... How does it read? To the testimony of Jesus, worship God. And then it tells us what it is. For the testimony of Jesus is the... Now we have a definition. It says it's the spirit of prophecy the angel is speaking. So if I were to quiz you next week and I were to ask you, what is the testimony of Jesus? What answer would you give me from the Bible based on Revelation 19.10? It is the spirit of prophecy. So we have a clear Bible definition in Revelation 19.10 given by an angel from God to John that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in the context of Revelation chapter 19, if you read the whole chapter, you'll notice... It focuses upon Jesus as the Word of God. It focuses upon God's words being faithful and true. It focuses upon the testimony of Jesus which undergirds the Word of God. And so we see a two-edged theme in Revelation 19. The Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. The Bible is trying to tell us that we need both of these in our life. We need the Bible and what it is. And then we need that testimony of Jesus that is the Spirit of Prophecy. Revelation 19.10 is stated again in Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. So turn your Bibles a little further. If you want to, hold your place in Revelation 19.10 and compare the verse that we just read. There's a little difference, and I want to point it out to you. It's identical except for this difference. I, John, am him who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. For I am a fellow servant. Now up to this point, it's identical to Revelation 19.10. But suddenly there's a shift. Instead of speaking of the testimony of Jesus and the spirit of prophecy, it'll take those two terms and it will use another term to say the same thing. So let's look what it says. Verse 9. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren, the prophets. It didn't say testimony of Jesus there. It didn't say spirit of prophecy. It just got very clear. It said the prophets because the gift of the spirit of prophecy and the testimony of Jesus is the gift of prophets to the church. It is the supernatural manifestation of the prophetic gift so that God's will can be felt within the body. So it just tells us what it is. And it says, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. So here's the parallel text with Revelation 19.10. It doesn't use the term spirit of prophecy or testimony of Jesus. It just simply says prophets. Friends, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, is the gift of prophets to the church of God. Now we live in an age where we think, well, prophets, I mean, that's getting into kooky stuff. How many of you have ever met a living prophet? Now, I know people who think they have. You know, people will write something and they'll go, oh, you know, I'm a prophet because I got this impression. Because you got an impression, because you felt like the Lord was influencing you, does not make you a prophet. When God moves upon the prophets, they are supernaturally sustained to carry the Word of God in such a way that the fingerprint of God Almighty is on their writings. The fingerprint of God Almighty is in their lives and the fruit is manifest. They are the prophets. So that is what the book of Revelation is teaching. Matthew 24, Jesus warned the church against the danger of false prophets. Turn to Matthew 24. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. He said, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And lo, I've told you beforehand. Now, Jesus did not say here. Now, you've got to look what he didn't say. He didn't say, ignore all prophets. He didn't say there's not going to be any more prophets. He didn't say that at all. He says it's that false prophets will arise. Look out for them. Because Jesus has promised the reemergence of the true gift of prophecy in the book of Revelation, He warns of false prophets who will be counterfeits so that we will not recognize the real. So when we go back to the book of Revelation and we look at it contextually, we find the example of false prophets there. The lamb like beast that comes out of the sea at the end of the Middle Ages, Revelation 13, verses 13 and 14. He appears like an Elijah beast. He operates like a prophet. He works signs and wonders, bringing fire down from heaven. In fact, in Revelation 19 20, it calls the lamb like beast the false prophet. So we know there'll be the counterfeit at the time of the end. So the testimony of Jesus, that is the spirit of prophecy, And Revelation 19.10, friend, is the real thing that meets the challenge of the lamb-like beast, the false prophet that brings fire down from heaven. So Christ has not given us the opportunity to just exclude all prophetic activity from our understanding at the time of the end. What he's saying is there will be a counterfeit and there will be the real thing. You will test the real thing by the Word of God, but false prophets will have lying wonders. You are to ignore them. So the book of Revelation teaches us that we are to be highly engaged at the time of the end. We must have discerning minds. In Romans 12.6, 1 Corinthians 12.10, Ephesians 4.11, the Apostle Paul made it very clear that the gift of prophecy in its correct form continues in the Christian church to the end of time. It is part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. Paul says in Ephesians 4.13, that this gift will remain until the church is fully mature. Because of the deceptive power those around the church, God will send prophets to the end of time. There will be prophets. You can't ignore that. Our challenge here today is to know the difference, to be able to tell what is a false prophet and what is a true prophet. The prophet Joel predicted the reappearance of the prophetic gift at the time of the end. His prophecy was partially fulfilled when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. It is finally and fully fulfilled at the time of the end. Turn to Joel two, verse twenty-eight, and we'll go down to verse thirty-two. Joel here is predicting, and it shall come to pass afterward. The Hebrew is the same expression; it's often used in the Book of Daniel for the latter days. And I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants, upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire, and pillars of smoke. In Revelation thirteen, fifteen, the lamb like beast brings fire down from heaven. He's counterfeiting this. We know that three unclean spirits go to gather the kings of the earth there are lying wonders in the book of Revelation, and yet we find right here the real thing will happen at the time of the end, and God will manifest the prophetic gift again.
0: Pastor Michael Oxentenka will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673.
1: Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. So God will not allow the counterfeit to overtake the real. Look at verse 31. The sun shall be turned into the darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and terrible day that the Lord comes. So the context is clear. Before Christ returns, this gift will return. We are not to shun prophecy, the Bible says. And verse 32, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said. Now here's the group that receives the prophetic gift in the context and in the remnant whom the Lord will call. There is a righteous remnant that keeps the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus. And the prophet Joel tells us that the prophetic gift will be manifested in their midst at the time of the end. Now why is it given here? It's very clear in the context. We live in a time of darkness. And in that time of darkness, God will reveal His glory through the prophets that will bring us to God's truth in the Bible that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel of salvation will go to the world empowered by prophetic activity. Paul says that prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers to guide the church, to keep the church safe in obedience in its proclamation of Jesus. And so Joel informs us here just like the book of Revelation that this gift arises at the time of the end in the latter days among the remnant that the Lord shall call. So thus the remnant church keeps all the commandments of God. Now I want to pause here for a second. How many commandments are in the Ten Commandments? Help me with this. I'm quizzing you. There are ten, right? What's the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What day is it? The seventh day, Right? Seventh day is what day of the week? Saturday. I mean, you'd have to change the Word of God to get Sunday out of that. And there's nothing New Testament says God will change His holy Ten Commandment law. The Bible says that God never changes in Malachi. So the clear reading of God's Word, the seventh day, is the Sabbath. Now, the fifth commandment, what does it say? I'm picking some of those I like in the commandments. You know, I have a choice because I'm the preacher. I can determine the flow of the content here. What's the fifth commandment? I'm quizzing you. Honor your father and mother. I like that one because I'm a dad. You know, I look to my son. Honor your father and your mother. He says, Dad, I am. Okay, that's good. What's the sixth commandment? Shall not kill. There is no place in the remnant church For the killing of children, the babies in our hospital systems. I will say that directly based on the authority of the Word of God. It's incompatible with our identity as the remnant church. To keep the commandments of God means we must keep the Fourth Commandment, the Fifth Commandment, 1 through 10, and the Sixth Commandment also. And no philosopher, king, theologian, ethicist can change the fact that when you take the life of the unborn, you have broken the sixth commandment. It's not the role of men to make that call. In the womb, God knew David and Jeremiah. In the womb, He knows every child precious to Him. The remnant church will keep all of the commandments of God. John, the beloved disciple, was an apostle and prophet of the early church. And he gave to us the testimony of Jesus because he himself possessed the gift of the spirit of prophecy. He's kind of like the prototype. Go back to Revelation 1, verses 1 to 3. Let's look at this. The Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what prophecy is apocalypsis in Greek, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent it, in the King James I'm reading, he signified it, which means he put it into symbols and signs, by his angel unto his servant, John. John here was a servant, very similar to the servant angel, that said, I'm a fellow servant with the prophets. Prophets work with angels to give God's truth to his church, and thus prophets are servants with angels. And God's truth is defined here as the Word of God first, as the greater light of the Scriptures. You see, prophets don't just come up with new stuff and they tell you what they think. They talk about what the great prophets of the past have said. They lift up the Bible. But then the Holy Spirit, as it moves upon that prophet in the present age, speaks the testimony of Jesus, visions and dreams that agree with the past and strengthen the future to the church in the future to obey the Word of God and to love the Lord Jesus. Thus it is the testimony of Jesus. Look at verse 2. Who bore record to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two things. And of all things that he saw, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written therein. And then he says, for the time is at hand. We need the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus right now in the church. Not a hundred years from now, right now. Revelation 2.12 tells us plainly that God's Word is a two-edged sword. I didn't say that. The Bible says it. In the Bible, the sun symbolizes God's law, first light of prophetic activity, and the moon represents the testimony of the prophets who follow that previous light. And thus we have the sun and the moon, the two-edged sword. Friend, Jesus' face in Revelation shines in Revelation 1 like the sun because Jesus is the living Word of God. Before the sun showed up on the fourth day of creation, God said, let there be light in 2 Corinthians 4, John 1, 9, and other places identifies Jesus as the primordial, creative, life-giving light of the world. Christ is light. Christ is the Word. He is the sun in the ultimate sense. The moon represents, in contrast, the testimony of Jesus. Now, how many of you are astronomy buffs here? Anybody? I am. I like these messier objects. Man, I want to look at that Orion Nebula, the most beautiful object in the night sky. And friend, what I have noticed is that the light of the moon is not caused because of the nuclear furnace on the moon. The light of the moon is the product of the light of the sun shining on this highly reflective dust covering of the moon. And thus the lesser light of the moon points back to the greater light of the sun. Turn to Psalms 89, verse 37. Speaking of the covenant to David, it says it shall be established forever. And here's the comparison. As the moon is a faithful witness in heaven, the moon bears witness as the lesser light to the greater light that is the sun. So no true prophet will arise at the time of the end that distorts the teachings of the Gospel and that teaches men or women to disregard their Gospel duty as Christians to keep the whole Ten Commandment law of God. The prophets do not compromise with God's truth. We need in the church today that two-edged sword of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus that is the complete Word of God in our life. Psalms 19.7 The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We need to be wise. We need God's testimony. Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, you see how the two go together Is the word of God? The law and the testimony, the two-edged sword. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Friend, light does not come through the minds of smart theologians who claim to be philosopher kings and pontificate over the clear me of the Bible.
0: Well, we'll need to leave it there for the first portion of The Spirit of Prophecy. That's The Spirit of Prophecy. We certainly appreciate you listening here today. And don't forget that you can always find these messages online at ReachingYourHeart.com. That's ReachingYourHeart.com. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and it is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The telephone number is 855-888-4673, 855-888-4673, 855-888-HOPE. Or you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com. Call for your copy today. The book is yours for a donation of any size. And remember that your donations help to keep this ministry on the air. And we thank you for your support. And we hope that you'll join us again next time we get together for another edition of Reaching Your Heart.